Today is ours. Let's live it. And love is strong. Let's give it. A song can help. Let's sing it. And peace is dear. Let's bring it. The past is gone. Don't rue it. Our work is here. Let's do it. The world is wrong. Let's right it. The battle is hard. Let's fight it. The road is rough. Let's clear it. The future fast. Don't fear it. Is faith asleep? Let's wake it. Because today is ours. Let's take it. Welcome to another episode of Save With Your Breast Podcast. It's your girl, Arielle, and I am so excited to have Kayla Bell here. How you doing, Miss Kayla? I am good, Arielle. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So I just want to share with you guys a little bit about Kayla, and we're going to dive right in because she has some amazing businesses and information to share with you. So born and raised in New Orleans, Miss Kayla Bell has a strong sense of culture and lets her travels inspire her and her collections. As you may already know, she is the founder and creator of Arrow and Phoenix. And she's not only creating a bikini line that empowers women, that gives back to the community and the planet that we call home, but she is also a stylist, which we are going to also dive into. She has so much experience and amazing press. Oh my gosh. Um, but the folks that she has worked with in her career with Created by Kayla, where she has been a wardrobe stylist for 10 years. So, Miss Kayla, how are you doing today? And please share with us how you got started in the industry that you are in now. Thank you. Um, I am doing really, really well. I, man, I got started so young. So I Uh hope that this makes sense. But essentially, everything for me kicked off when I was 16 years old. And it was the sweetest of Sweet 16, but it was not anything I had ever planned, to be honest. Um, I, so on a, I I guess I'll start with styling. On a styling tip, I was working in retail and I was still in high school. And at the time I was known as kind of like the girl who loved playing with fashion and was always into art and always talking about moving to LA. I was that girl. Um, And within being in that space and just always being seen as a creative, some of my friends started singing as background artists for, Mm. yeah, as background vocal artists for local hip hop artists um, in Houston. And so with that, one day, a particular rapper needed clothing. And I guess like his stylist at the time had dropped out or had dropped the ball, whatever the case may be. And so a friend of mine hit me up as I was leaving my retail job to go home and do my homework and do it all again the next day. Um, And she was like, hey, would you like to come to the mall and pick some clothes for such and such? And I was like, sure, but like, that's not a real thing. And she's like, no, 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 it is a real thing. Like, I told him that I have this friend who's really good at picking clothes and like, you know, do you want to do it? 
And I looked at my homegirl, who is also from New Orleans, shout out to Seven Boy. And she's like, girl, did such and such just call you to work with XYZ? And I'm like, yeah, like, it's just, I don't know. This doesn't feel real. And she's like, well, you smart. Like, your homework will always get done. Like, let's just go do it. So I was like, okay, well, let's go do it. So we meet him at his condo in Houston. And he's giving me the run of like what to expect and what he's looking for and all of these things. And mind you, we had heard him on the radio two times going (laughs) from getting off of work to go to his spot. And (laughs) yes, complete synergy and very much in alignment. And um, I get there. I understand exactly. I've never done this before. Like the clothes that I had picked up until this point had been for myself, my friends, my mom, cousins, things like that. I had never done this professionally. Didn't even know it was a thing. So I get there. He gives me the layout of what he's looking for. It turns out he wants to be styled for a music video. So this is calling for multiple looks. Um, He gives me kind of like a breakdown loosely of what even he understood of what he wanted and tells me that we're going to film at the strip club. And I'm like, okay, cool. So when do you need everything? He's like, here's my card. Uh, You know, I want to have it in like four hours. And again, four hours, four hours, <laughs> mind you, it's a school night. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's all these layers to it. And I'm just like, again, I've never done this before. I don't have connections right. at stores, right. like nothing of the sort. And I'm not even thinking that way. I'm just like, OK, like I have X, Y, and Z's card to go shop for some clothes for a music video. Cool. So I go and I go to the malls. Luckily, I know kind of what time certain things close. So I'm already thinking like, okay, well, this mall is out, but this anchor store is open and I can pull some stuff from here. And then I think I saw this in his closet so I can use this from that. And come to find out, like I end up pulling the whole look together. I do go to the strip club um, that is shut down at the time for his particular music video. And I styled that music video unbeknownst to even me in that moment. And yes, like I'm standing behind video monitors. It was like, he was a great way to start. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, so, okay. And I remember thinking like I was at this, this club until like two or three o'clock in the morning. My friend stayed with me the whole time. Um, My other friend who got me the gig was there as well. And I remember going home thinking like, okay, so. I just did that. And now, like, I have to go home and do homework and, like, go to school tomorrow. Cool. (laughs) Um, You know, I was very unfazed by it, if I'm being honest. Like, I enjoyed it, but Mm -hmm. I was very unfazed by it. But I remember Mm -hmm. school looked very differently for me after that. And what I thought about work looked very different for me after that. And I didn't understand why until... I continued to get these seemingly haphazard calls. You know, as a kid, I thought they were definitely haphazard. But the whole time, it was the ancestors allowing me to kind of dip my toe into what would end up being my purpose. And I'm very thankful for that. So, like, that's where styling came in. And it snowballs into, like, a whole different career that leads to costume design and television and film to me being a creative director for a particular person who I met when I was in eighth grade and told her I looked up to her and she signed an autograph for me. And I thought that was as good as it was going to get. And I ended up being her creative director um, a little over 10 years later. So my God, this is like the Chloe and Beyonce (laughs) story. Like I know (laughs) amazing. It's amazing. I thought about it, but you're absolutely right. It really is. So it's like, 
I have that going on, but I'm still not really seeing it as a career. I always knew that I wanted to work in fashion, but I also knew that as someone who had gone through Hurricane Katrina, it had to mean something. Um, So I always wanted to be very intentional, even before I knew what that word really meant. And for me, that looked like giving back however I could. My parents have always taught my brother and I to give back however we could. And then being on the receiving end of so much kindness and so much love and support as we were going through Katrina and did not have anything um, really instilled in me the kind of like the the light that is philanthropy and the light that is true community. Right. And with swim, it just was a no brainer again, still in high school at this point, I'm, I think I'm in my junior year and I am in aquatic science class. And one day, don't ask me why, but like I'm watching this video about dolphins and sharks and like how they're endangered because of different elements. And of course, climate change is a big part of that. But I kept learning Mm -hmm. about all the plastic that ends up in the oceans and all of the netting and just so many different things. So then there's one particular part of this video that shows how fashion contributes to waste within the oceans. And I'm like, I had no idea all this time. I want to be a designer and I'm trying to figure out what I, you know, exactly what my niche is going to be. I kind of feel like that's going to be swim. Um, And now I'm learning that what I do actually has like a whole negative connotation to it where our earth is concerned. So that's when, a light bulb goes off and it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do swim, because it's really just, it, it came to me in a way where it was born for me personally out of necessity, just not being able to find swimsuit tops that fit at the time a 38 triple D rock cup size um, in stores. It's like, okay, I know why I'm doing it in that regard, but now what does it look like to have this philanthropic element to it? And so from there, I knew I wanted to just kind of research different ways of being sustainable and being able to give back to the planet and give back to the ecosystem that we're a part of and do it in a positive way. All at 16. (laughs) All at 16, which honestly, I feel like it's the best time to just go for things because you have no idea what fear means like it's like what are you talking about this is what i want to do and you're you know like at at 16 and most teenagers are like this is what i'm doing leave me alone do you feel like your friends and family were supportive of the route you chose definitely so i have to attribute a lot of that to my parents because especially my mom my mother has always understood she's a capricorn sun and i'm capricorn moon and rising So I like to think Mm -hmm. that my girl just gets me. Um, (laughs) She's always understood that I was my biggest critic. So my parents didn't really, especially after Katrina, like they didn't really put a ton of pressure on me to get the best grades. They had their expectations, Mm -hmm. but they knew that I was always this artsy kid and that I would always find my way and take care of myself, if nothing else. And I'm the oldest of two and I'm the only daughter and the oldest daughter and all of those things. So they always knew like I was going to be okay. Um, So they were really supportive. I think that for both of my parents, they, their biggest thing was like, okay, you want to do this. Let's make sure that 
if this is what you want to do right now, that you're doing it the best way that you know how. So neither of my parents, one is a teacher, one is a nurse, neither of them had ever built a business. And so that's where they were kind of giving me resources with their friends of like, here's, you know, my friend who is a financial advisor who can help you. Here's my friend who is a lawyer that should be able to point you in the right direction. Um, Because again, yeah, all of this was before... I graduated in 2012 from high school. So all of this, I think my senior year is when Instagram became a thing. So I couldn't just look up, you know, certain things on social media and say, okay, this is a lawyer who can help me in environmental politics and fashion and so on and so forth. I just had to really use what I had. My friends thought I was a little crazy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My friends thought I was crazy because for them, they were like, well, this is a time where we're supposed to just be having fun and going to parties and doing that. And I had always envisioned like doing that, but more so in college. Um, But I was like, I don't I don't really understand why I have to choose. Like, why can't I do both? You know, and so many of them didn't really understand. They're like, why are you adding more work and like more pressure onto yourself? You already we already go to school. Some of us had jobs at the time. Like, why are you adding now building your own brand on top of this? And the best answer I was giving them, especially at that time, was like, I want to have something to pass down to my kids should they want it. You know, at I at least want it available. At 16 years old. At 16. At 16 years old. At 16. Where, okay, where do you feel like this um, drive came from? Was it New Orleans? Was it family was it just innate like it's just in you like that I think a lot of it was innate because of being from New Orleans a hundred percent yeah I think it's it's Louisiana people in general are so different from the rest of the world and then yeah like we are (laughs) we're really elite like we're so different We're so different. And I think it's something in the swamp water because everybody I've ever met, at least thus far throughout my journey from home, whether it's somebody I grew up with or someone I've met along my entrepreneurial journey so far, it's we all have like that same kind of oomph in us of like we were just, you know, we're very resilient people. We are very sure people. So it's like, if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And we just going to figure it out. You know, all of the ingredients don't necessarily need to be there. The ingredients don't always need to be in We're going to figure out. We're going to make whatever substitutions are necessary, but I promise you it's going to taste great. (laughs) Right. It's like gumbo, honestly. We're just going to use what we have and make the best of what we've got. So I think a lot of, well, I mean, I think I know all of my hustle and everything that is really in me to keep going and to keep persevering just really comes it's innate and then it comes from New Orleans and then going through Katrina at such a young age I think I was I had just had an 11th birthday so like a month prior to the hurricane so just kind of seeing that and really feeling like you know that's looking back like 11 is very young but I felt like I had to step up my mom at the time had decided to go back and get her nursing degree she was in a whole different career so watching my mom go through Katrina we did not have a house we weren't able to go back to the city we you know there were so many different variables my dad like never complained my mom finished school I watched her graduate you know shortly after in a whole new city we had never lived in you know so it was all these different components where it was like okay if my parents 
you know, can do it, then why can't I? Like, this is where I get this from. And this is the city that I'm from. The city ended up, like, as the city was being rebuilt, I feel like I was kind of being reborn in a different way that has led me here. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you um, give us some insight or, or tell us why, I will specifically, can you share the inspiration behind the name Arrow and Phoenix? Yes. So a lot of people like to think that the brand is based in Phoenix, Arizona. But then I think as of recently, once they meet me, um, they realize it's for the bird. So when it comes to the arrow, I saw this quote and I never move on anything until I have a name. So when it came to A&P, I knew I wanted swim, had that figured out. I knew I wanted to do inclusive sizing because of you know, the whole brand origin starting from me not being able to find swimsuit tops in my size at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. I had the philanthropic aspect on lock. So now I just needed a name. And I remember one day I saw this quote about arrows and how when an arrow is pulled backwards, it gains momentum and it has a moment of stillness to just kind of lock in on its precision. So that Mm -hmm. when it's let go, it hits its target without any misses. Okay, that's deep. Right. <laughs> right. It was super deep. And then I remembered, so I had, I knew I wanted to do something with arrows. And then I had um, in an English class, well, again, when I was in high school, but at this point I was like about to enter college, I had this book that spoke about a phoenix bird rising from its ashes and how Phoenix birds don't ever die. They just continue to be reborn and rejuvenated. And they always have like a new cycle of beginnings. And so for me, I felt like that spoke to who I am as a person. It speaks to the idea that recycled items can become something completely new and reborn and reimagined. And that's where AMP came from. That is amazing. And your brand is also sustainable. So you shared how you are using you're 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 wanting to save and give back um, and save the earth primarily, because I agree the I I forgot what um, the name of the documentary was. It was on Netflix and it was all about like um, conservation and the oceans and plastic and what we're doing. And I was just like, well, why isn't somebody doing something about this? Now, of course people are, but I love the take that you have on it where you're blending fashion and um, protecting the earth. So how did you find and resource the materials that you were going to need? And how did you confirm like, okay, yes, this is going to be something that's going to be feasible for the designs that I have in mind. Because sometimes you're looking to, you have a mission and a vision, but the materials that are available aren't yet to the standard for your, you know, your intent. So you've been able to do both the quality, the style, the sexiness, the comfort, and the sustainability. So how did you do that? Right. So yeah, at the time, it was really hard. I think at this point, it was definitely around 2012, when I had discovered that there were new upcycled cottons. And so when it came to sustainability and fashion, there were a lot of well, not a lot, but there were more options in that regard than there were with your stretch fabrics. 
And so I found this company called Reprieve that was based in the U.S. And they were making things like water coolers and other unique products out of recycled water bottles. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like if I can do this, but instead of making, you know, like a water cooler, I would like to make a swimsuit. And so I did some research. I did a lot of research and that was honestly the hardest. Well, the hardest part was was two things. The first part being sourcing the actual materials to make the swimsuits out of. The second part was finding a manufacturer I trusted and trusted me in turn to be able to make exactly what I wanted because my size run was going to look differently due to it being inclusive. I knew that I wanted made in the U.S. and I knew that I wanted it to be sustainable. And that didn't stop at the sustainable materials themselves. But also when it comes to the manufacturing process, I didn't want any waste if we could help it or like very minimal at that time, especially. So when I found Reprieve, um, I called them up and was like, hey, is there any way that you all have the fabric that you use? Like, can Is there any of it that stretches? And if so, do you have um, little scraps that I can kind of play with? And they were like, oh, actually, none of it stretches, unfortunately. But we have a company in Italy that is making sustainable fabrics that does stretch for swimwear. So I was like, okay, cool. So they gave me that contact information. I ended up contacting a representative in Italy. And that same company is the company that we have worked with since day one for our fabric. And I just loved how no matter what it was, I had questions about when it came to sustainability, when it came to, you know, labor laws and different protections of that nature. I'm really, really big on that. Um, all of their answers were so, so great with the way that they conserved water to do different things with dyes and so on and so forth was all very eco-friendly. So once I found them, it was easy to start putting in prototypes and start kind of designing from that space. Um, but yeah, that was that was really challenging because now there's so many options available. But at that time, there was very few options available and I have to note that the options that were available were also very expensive. Uh, yeah. And that when you're just starting out, <laughs> can be a little bit of a challenge. And I'm going to get into the funding question, too, because um, at this stage, you've had your company for how long? I have had it now for 13 years almost. 13 years. Okay. So you're, do you consider yourself still a startup or do you feel like at this point you're pretty a mature company to where you're looking to expand even further? Ooh, that's a tough question. So I do still consider us a startup because with the first five of those 13 years, I was not selling swimsuits. So I was kind of spot testing and doing a lot of research in the field and doing a lot of kind of fit testing as well because I knew what fit my body, but I wanted to yeah. have things that fit other women's bodies. So as my styling career started going in a certain direction and I was very grateful for the friends that I had in, in my circle at that time, they were just letting me like use them as real life Bratz dolls and <laughs> try swimsuits on them to see what fit. So for the first five years, we were not even selling swimsuits. But what I did do that I'm thankful I did was 
I, OGs of A&P know that Aaron Phoenix started off on the surface as a blog. So a lot of the companies that I was featuring on my blog back in my blogging days were companies that we actually still work with today. So it was fellow sustainable companies. Um, it was different health and wellness brands. Um, different things like that. So I do consider us still a startup. We still have had um, all of the money bootstrapped up until this point. So, you know, I think if, if, and again, that goes back to education. When I first started, probably up until maybe right before COVID, to be honest, I didn't know that there were other ways to fund my business outside of either putting in my own personal money or going to go get a bank loan and of course like having business credit. Other than that, I didn't really understand that grants, you know, were available. I definitely was not understanding a world of venture capitalist companies. I wasn't privy of angel investors. I knew about investors because I was kind of watching Shark Tank, but it just seemed so unattainable for me, if I'm being honest. So it wasn't even a thought in my head. It was just kind of like, okay, if I continue to build my career <laughs> in entertainment, I can put, you know, X, Y, and Z percent of my check into my brand. And then that will kind of like sustain it a little bit and then have marketing done in a certain way, you know? So I knew I wasn't working with a big budget and I still haven't been yet able to work with a big budget, but those things are starting to change. And it just, it just took time and it took time for me to really learn about myself, about what it is I wanted, how I wanted to scale my business. So that's why I'm like, this is a perfect question because though we are definitely still a startup, I've been able to have a little bit of a reprieve to kind of figure out how I want to scale my business, which has been really, really helpful because otherwise I would have just been, I think I would have put myself in different positions that probably would have put me in the hole versus propelled me forward. Yes, and I feel like when you are um, limited, and I think that go that also goes back to just that innate tenacity and uh, resilience. When you are limited in any way, whether it's resources, people, you know, people, product processes, any part of that is limited. You get creative, and you figure it out, and you really make those key decisions, like you said, like really having the time to play around and experiment and think and learn and try different things, different strategies. Um, I know for our journey, it's been very similar in that I'm just three years in and I feel like I literally am just getting just getting started. Like, because those first few years, you're really learning and gathering information. And even with the sustainability, like now we're finally looking at, okay, how can we get product um, packaging to also be sustainable. We have natural ingredients. Let's also have natural packaging as best as we can get it. So just learning. And like you said, the the resources change. Um, The sourcing of materials change. It's it's like, it's fun to also keep up with it all. (laughs) But it's not to have a reprieve to just like really strategize and think, where do you want to go? And you have the styling, you have the costume design, you do creative direction. Um, and then also with A&P, with Aaron Phoenix, you're expanding. So I love to see the fact that you have the sustainable home goods in there and you have skincare in there. Like what in, inspired you to kind of think outside the box with your brand and how have you liked that so far, having that variation? 
I think it's been really helpful. So my, I always put it as like my brand is an extension of who I am. So swim came first and it came out of necessity because it was just very difficult for me to find swimsuits um, in my size that actually looked the way that I wanted and made me feel the way that I wanted to feel and the way that I want other women to feel. Um, within... And we also like A&P has had a, it's again, it's a true reflection of me because it has also had like some stop and go journeys just due to manufacturing issues we've run into. I am all in my third manufacturer and I have been with her for about six years now. And that's the most consistent that my swim has ever been. Um, so really, I, w- I like to say we, you know, we've been in business 13 years. We've only, we're a six year old company um, as far as like how we've been able to maneuver. But when it comes to how Swim has been able to expand into other products, when I first started doing swimwear and I was getting it on different influencers at that time and kind of having events around it, so many people were asking me like, oh my God, like this swimsuit is so cute. All I need is a bronzer that goes with it. Or, you know, all I need is like a cool little tanning oil to go with it and I'm like oh okay there's something to it so that's when my interest peaked and I was like well let me see if there's any sustainable bronzers on the market or if there's any sustainable um skincare just in general in a in a sun space right so like in a beach based space and other than sunscreens there was two sunscreen companies at the time that were and we still work with one of them to this day and so that's how we were able to do skincare because especially being a woman of color um and a woman with curly natural hair sun um chlorinated water as well as salt water can be really really harsh on your skin and on your hair so again it was something that was born out of necessity Whereas like A&P Sanctuary, that being the sustainable home goods section of things, was a way that I wanted to use to spotlight different women who were making sustainable home goods. Because I would be at different trade shows and like new events and things like that and different women who are using flowers to like dye silks, which is something I did early on in the A&P stage of testing things out. Um, there were women I was meeting who were using just leftover ceramic tiles and turning it into something new. And I'm like, man, somebody needs to showcase this. Like, how can I do, you know, how can I give them a platform? And so that's where the expansion of the brand and its product line began. And to be honest, I can't wait to be in the position to expand it even more because I really feel like in my heart of hearts, I've always seen AMP as a sustainable beach-based lifestyle brand where people kind of just have this one-stop shop of like knowing everything is sustainable, everything is handmade and has a one-of-a-kind effect to it, but that you're putting something good and something special into your home or on your body or on your skin and that you feel good about what it is that you're purchasing and knowing that it was also made in the U.S., um, so that's really how our expansion has been going and I'm excited to be able to expand even more so soon. Yeah, me, I'm excited for you cause I love what you're building and it's so unique and special, especially, I mean, all of it is just very unique and special. So kudos to you. Now you Thank went you. from, yeah, from Louisiana, you were in Houston for a while, you were in LA for a while. And I want you to just share, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm sure, who can benefit from 
this information, how important networking has been for you and um, maybe how you've been able to build the support around you. Like, do you have a team that's helping you or you've talked about your manufacturing team, so you've had them for six years. Like, can you dive into that, how you've built these connections and the importance of building these connections? Yes, I will say that networking is really important, but I also want to emphasize that networking should never be forced. Um, I think that there has to be, you know, especially now, I think that there's such an emphasis put on networking and like being in the right rooms and being around the right people. I think that that is accurate to a degree, but I think that for me personally, I just really believe in alignment. And I'm always, even when it's very frustrating, because it can get frustrating, I am always where I'm supposed to be at that right time. So I think the biggest thing I've learned is to just stay prepared because you never know when you're going to meet someone or how you're going to meet someone. Um, Some of my mentors I have met in some of the most unconventional ways that didn't stem from a LinkedIn or anything like that. So I try to always keep my eyes open and I don't just hone in on certain events or certain conferences to to network. I just, if it feels right and swim kind of naturally comes up in a conversation, then, you know, I have that conversation and I see where it leads me. Um, But when you are in specific spaces where networking is crucial, I think that it is important to always showcase yourself and showcase your brand in a way that you would want people to remember it by. Um, no, None of us are islands. None of us can do this by ourselves. Um, community is really, really, really important. And I've been so fortunate that I've been able to meet so many incredible founders like you and so many founders, both from home and just along my journey and along my travels that have really taught me different things. There's some people who, let's say I've gone into, and this has happened, where I've gone into networking events and my goal was to meet one person and I met that person and it was a great exchange, but it didn't really lead to anything. But then two other people that I met at the same event that I was not even expecting, like those are people that have now become, you know, my photographer slash videographer, or this is somebody who now has like, helps me find my fabric source, the exact same fabric for a cheaper rate or whatever the case may be. So I think the biggest thing I always like to remind myself is just, you know, connection, real connections don't have to be forced, but also just keep an open mind because you never know how you're going to meet someone and you never know who's going to come in and really take interest in you and take interest in your business because you can learn from so many different people. Right. And how important is PR in the fashion industry? And can you share, because I know it's such a specific space and and how it works in fashion. Um, Or do you have any tips for entrepreneurs who are in your space who are thinking about bringing on a, a PR person? Do you think they even need one? Yes. So I think that PR is so specific and it has changed so much and it is ever changing. I think the more that our social media outlets change and the more that journalism in general changes, the more PR changes. I do think that having knowledge as a founder about press is important because you get to create your own narrative as a founder. And I think that that's really, really important. Um, When it comes to press, if you can afford PR, I say go for it. 
Um, word of mouth is still like some of the best ways to get your brand and to get your product out there. So don't be afraid to really research who you want to have do your PR. That's not something I would ever tell anybody to take lightly because again, this is a person who nine times out of 10, once hired, is going to be speaking a lot on behalf of you, your brand and your product. So really do your due diligence. Like for example, if you're in fashion and you love how Hanifa is always plastered everywhere and how they're talked about in such a beautiful light, make sure that your story is tailored to tell your story and then make sure that you have a press person who understands you as a person, understands you as a designer if you're in fashion, and understands you as a founder and what your goals are. So that way they can pitch you to different outlets and different networks in the right light. I think that that's really, really important and not stressed enough. And do you, you mentioned something that I think is really key. You talked about, um, you talked about having the knowledge of that particular let's say department category or job. Do you think that it's really important for founders to kind of know a little bit about everything in their business? Because I know we all come from different experiences and backgrounds. I know out of necessity, I have had to learn <laughs> a lot of things. You know, I knew very little to nothing about, whether it's coding stuff because something on the website is not working right and I don't have time to wait for tech support on a Sunday afternoon. Um, it's all kinds of different things where you're kind of forced to learn new avenues, um, which I know it's always important, but can you share maybe what surprises you've had in, in your business journey and areas that you've learned that you were like, wow, I can't believe I just had to like master that that fast and just do it. Oh my goodness, so many things. So I always tell people, I knew like as long as I have been on earth side, I knew that I was not meant to sew. And <laughs> I like I I just I knew it. Like sewing was never going to be in my skill set, at least not sewing well, which sounds crazy because of look at you know look at what I do for a living um but I knew I was I was not meant to sew especially not swimsuits my goodness but I did in the very beginning and it wasn't so much out of necessity but it was more so out of like just so I know what to look for when it comes to hiring different people let me kind of put myself in the shoes of someone coming in and see what it is I'm going to have to do so I certain things were definitely out of necessity but other things I kind of chose to take on a little bit as a challenge just to see, you know, what would equate to what. So, for example, when I first knew I was going to do swimsuits and I was in high school, I sold my own swimsuits out of necessity. But I knew that they were good enough because they were, the intention was that they were just for me. That was before I knew I would have a swimwear brand. Um, when I got my manufacturer, fast forward to when I got my manufacturer that I'm with now, I was making patterns with her because I was like, I just want to know and like double check that, you know, I have the right understanding of what goes into this aspect of my business. Now, at the same time, like you said, when it comes to coding, again, not my ministry, <laughs> that is not where <laughs> I ever care to land. 
Um, but I've had to learn certain things again because the back end, you know, has stopped working or the system was just overloaded or a discount code wasn't working as we're having a big sale and so on and so forth. So I think that those have learning those things, whether out of necessity or just because I kind of chose to familiarize myself with that particular skill has helped me because it's known it's helped me to realize what I should look for in the people that I'm bringing on um, and what I should be asking as well when I'm hiring people, whether it's on Fiverr or, you know, people that I just kind of genuinely connect with in real life. So that's, it's been helpful. And I would say to any founder, if you can kind of put yourself in those shoes, definitely do because it does help you bring on the right fit for you. Like in retrospect, there's so many times where I think that I personally took on too much. Like I used to shoot our collections because I was like, well, let me just see how it looks if I shoot it, but how, you know, there's so many different ways you can shoot swimwear. Like, does it look better if it has this kind of filter on it? Does it look better if it has this crisp edit to it? And that really helped me kind of know now where I am these years later, I can go to certain photographers and say, okay, this one, this one, and this one has the edit that I need um, versus this other one does not have what I need at all. So I don't have to waste anybody's time, including my own, of trying to figure out, you know, whether this is going to be a good fit for my brand or not. And it's helped our brand evolve in a much more transparent way if I'm being honest, because we're able to put out things that we're proud of. So for other founders, I would say, you know, do a little bit of dabbling, but don't spend too much time on it because there's so many things as founders that we have to do on a daily basis that, you know, you don't want to add extra pressure to yourself. Um, But just know enough so that you know when you come across a certain person or when it's time to hire a certain person to do a certain skill, you trust them wholeheartedly to do it and to do it to the best that fits you and your brand's needs. And that is so key. Um, and I think in the moment I've had, like in, in those moments of having to just do something or having to hurry up and find somebody to do it and like like figure some stuff out that's so new. In the moment, it's like, okay, this is frustrating. Or maybe it's even like, okay, I know I'm learning something, but I need to hurry this up because I had other things I was supposed to be doing. Now I find myself doing this to like put out a fire or fix something. But totally what you said in the long run, you look back and you're like, man, I know so much about all these things. But even if it's not enough to do it fully, I know what I'm looking for in the person who has to do it. And I will also say it has also helped me in knowing if they're charging me a fair amount because yes. I know <laughs> I've done that job before. I've had to do it. And so I know how long it takes or how long it really should take, especially if you're a real professional at it and I was a novice. So it helps you gauge um, and kind of have some idea if, if you're, like you said, if, if there's alignment there. Um, so it's really interesting. But I love what you shared so far. I know you have, you're building your brand, you're building your your um, your projects for Created by Kayla as well. Um, anything new you want to announce or things coming up that you want to share 
Um, and also please share your social media links, but no, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, we have, um, we have some really fun collaborations in the works. So coming up, we have our last few pop-ups of the summer. They will be, we have two in Las Vegas at Tao Beach um, at the Venetian Hotel. And then we have three coming up at the Shifley Hotel Hilton property um, in Houston down by the Galleria. So those are what I have coming up next. We have some very fun collaborations that will be dropping this fall. We have a whole new collection coming out that will be spaced between October and the early parts of December because the girls that travel all year round are the girls that get it. Um, so we'll have a whole new collection out just for them. And then we're also going to have like some Black Friday stuff for holiday and some other fun surprises in December. But yeah, we, we, I'm definitely working on quite a few things. So definitely keep up with us. Our Instagram is at Arrow and Phoenix Swim. Um, our Twitter is at shop A-N-P and our YouTube is also at Arrow and Phoenix Swim. We have some really fun content coming that way. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then I'll also be relaunching our active wear component A&P sweat. So that'll be coming out in December, actually. So we have, oh, some, we have a lot of stuff going on. Good stuff. <laughs> That is amazing stuff. And how are you taking care of yourself in all of this? What do you have a mantra that you live by? Or what are some of the practices that you have that keep you um, keep you, I guess, keep your wellness first, I guess? Oh, I love that question, because this is not talked about enough. Um, and this is where community comes in handy when you are a founder, because it is such a, especially when you're a founder, and you have your business as it is, you have yourself, you're trying to have your personal life. And then you also want to show up for your friends. Like it's just so much. So this is a good question. And I think that this needs to be emphasized just as much as like everything else that we've talked about. Um, for me, I learned how to take care of myself as a person and as a founder after I experienced a very intense burnout. And I wish it wouldn't have taken that for me to kind of like sit back and chill and learn how to implement different things within my day, but it did. So what my life looks like now is I definitely am on the go a lot, but my morning routine and my night routine are crucial. So in the morning, before I reach for my phone, before I reach for my iPad or anything like that, I meditate. And once I meditate, I write down different aspects of gratitude in my journal. Um, after I do that, of course, I go and like brush my teeth, wash my face, all that good stuff. And then I go outside and I do like a three to four mile walk again before touching my phone, touching my iPad, any of those things. I come back, hop in a cold shower um, because it just mentally helps me with mental fortitude and kind of like to physically relax. And then from there, I start my day. Um, I think that that's important and it has become really crucial that I start my mornings like that and that I have a time at night between sending my last email or having my last meeting or whatever that day looks like and then going to sleep because it just sets the tone for me to remember that, yes, I am a founder. 
Yes, I am a designer. Yes, I am all of these multi-hyphenates. But at the end of the day, I'm Kayla. And I got to take care of that because without taking care of that aspect of me and without taking care of myself as a whole, I can't pour into the other cups that I have um, when it comes to my business and just my life in general. So I try to express that and like really, really stress that to other entrepreneurs who ask me for advice, which is still crazy that I get asked for advice. Um, but I like to stress that because it's, it's again, I think it's something that's starting to be talked about now about just how to take care of yourself, but it's, it's really important. It's as important as like financial literacy and everything else that goes into owning a business. Yeah. And how can people support you and your, your, and I mean, specifically as a founder, as a business owner, because there are different ecosystems of support. And we talked about family and friends. We talked about, you know, fellow business owners and entrepreneurs that, that are our founder friends. Um, and we also talk about the macro ecosystem and the city that you're in, the, um, you know, you talked about manufacturing and the types of manufacturers that you needed and you were looking for that might not be available in New Orleans, Louisiana. You might have to go to LA and New York and make those connections. So I would just love to kind of hear from you on, you know, I guess I'm trying, and now my brain is losing its train of thought. <laughs> it's okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, we talked about the micro, we talked about the macro system. So how can they give back to you? What do you think, um, what do you need to move the milestones, whether it's funding, whether it's certain introductions that you're looking for right now, whether it's products, you know, sourcing, things like that. What do you, what do we need to do as a community to support Kayla Bell right now and Phoenix and Rose? I think that when it comes to our ecosystem, especially where founders are concerned, and definitely speaking to me as well, New Orleans is such a creative hub and there's so many different things that drive people to New Orleans. But I think New Orleans needs, and Louisiana in general, and the South in general, and Black people in the South in general, um, and Black women in the South in general, uh, we need money. You know, like we need money. Can you say that again? Yes. Like, <laughs> I can't sugarcoat that. <laughs> like, we need money. We need funds. You we need need money. I heard that. Okay. Yeah. We need, so like corporations, if you hear this, come down and please bring checks and please bring friends with checks because we are so innovative. Every day, my mind is blown by not only things that like my friends are doing, but just people that I meet in different accelerator programs. Y'all could also bring more of those our way as well. Um, <laughs> while we're on the topic, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And it's only getting more and more creative with the generations that are coming up underneath us. However, we all hit a wall because as Southerners, as Louisianans, as New Orleanians, and as Black people and as Black women, there is not enough funding out there for us, especially funding that it still allows us to be ourselves and allows our brands to be what we intended upon our brands to be. Um, so I think that that's really important. I would love to see more of that. I wish that I would not have had to go all the way to Italy to get a sustainable fabric. Like there's, there should be a way that I can get a sustainable fabric here within the South. Um, I wish that I was able to, you know, especially when I talk to younger people and other founders, we're always racking our brains on how to get connections to manufacturers. I ended up having to build my own manufacturer 
six years ago in Las Vegas because I wasn't finding what I wanted or finding people who worked fairly. And there's so many hardworking people, but we all just really need the funds and we do need the access. And I think that the South, you know, not to quote, I can't remember what rapper that is, but the South has a lot to say. And with that being said, we need the funds and we need the resources to further push our narrative and further push our innovations and our companies. And that is something I really would love to see more of within like this year and coming years for sure. And I hope that it's here to stay and not just like a fad or something that people do, you know, for a short period of time. And then once no one is talking about it, it just kind of slowly disappears. No, like this needs to be something that has changed and is a long-term change. A long-term change. I agree. I was um on, on the panel that we had this morning, one of the founders, Lo Williams Thomas, she is um, a cosmetic chemist and she does testing and formulation. She has a lab. She's the first black woman to have such type of lab here in Louisiana. Young woman like us, wow. just young, doing her thing, just doing her thing. And I'm like, why don't we have enough to support you right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just... But I can say, for one, it's surprising to have a first of anything still, but semi not surprising. But then also to just think, okay, where is that going to be in five years? Maybe less, but let's just say in five years, like that ecosystem of a manufacturing facility and the people who are able to now work there and the students who are now able to have a pipeline to get internships for future careers in in something so unique and special and something that is so key to our culture, which is beauty. Like that's our thing. Beauty, fashion, music, the whole thing. So I just imagine same thing with brands like yours and um, Beast Bayou, just being a, in in connection with each other, supporting each other um, and building with each other in whatever way that is, is just really magical. Um, do you have any female sheroes, any any women in your life who really you just have to be like, man, thank you? Oh, I have so many. Um, I definitely have my mom. I have, oh, man, this ecosystem that I've been so fortunate to have both of my best friends are two of the fiercest women I have ever known. Neither of them own a business, nor do they care to, (laughs) but they really championed me to push forward and to do all the things that, that I am able to do. And I will say like, not even to put you on blast, but I want to give you your flowers. Like Ariel, you have been so amazing and truly like a big sis. And I pay attention to you, even outside of like our conversations that we have, but I pay attention to how you really have created something so special and something so intentional, but in a way that you're able to like have your personal life set, you have your personal time, you have your other passion projects, you champion women like myself and like you do so much for our state and like just just other black women founders so i really look up to you yeah girl stop it's so true i appreciate it do you have women in in the fashion industry too who have maybe really made an impact or or you see as maybe not an not an example but maybe just um anyone in fashion 
I do. I would say Hanifa, the owner of Hanifa as a brand. I think that she yeah. is incredible with what she's building. I mean, she broke what that was during COVID. I was working actually with her in a in a di- very 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 different small capacity um, before COVID. But she is the one who pioneered the AI three D fashion show, and so to see her Whoa, do that, what? yeah. Yes, wow. she was the one to pioneer the fashion show. You know, she had a her debut show planned and COVID hit and like nobody could do anything. And so she had her silhouettes walk down an AI runway that was streamed and they didn't have models, but they had full figures, you know, like we do as black women with curves and just different shapes and body types. And wow. that literally catapulted her into a whole different catosphere. Like she was seen by you know like Christian Louboutin and she was she's the first woman I've ever seen especially a woman of color do groundbreaking things in that regard when it comes to fashion um so I really really look up to her I look up to Aaliyah May I look up to Vashti Cola um everything that they've done just being two of the only black women to ever have a Jordan sneaker I think is ill um I look up to Beppy. I man, there's so many pioneers. I can't. I would also be very remiss as a stylist if I didn't mention the great Misa Hilton, um, because she's man, she's a pioneer in so many different ways, especially when it comes to fashion brands working with other creatives and other collectives. Um, mm-hmm. There's yeah, the list goes on, but those are definitely some women that I personally can't wait to work with. And who have really, I've watched them in so many different changes of my career and like been able to apply lessons that I've seen them kind of teach indirectly to my own life and my own brand. And so I have to definitely give them their flowers as well. That's amazing. All right. Well, last question. Well, it's not really a question. It's like a fill in the blank. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) Okay. Last question. Fill in the blank. I wish I knew blank when I was blank. Ooh. Ooh. This is so tough. (laughs) I know. This is so tough, especially because I try to, like, surrender that I know the things I'm supposed to know when I'm supposed to know them. Um, I wish I knew... I think I'm gonna go to the self-care one on this one. I wish I knew the importance of self-care when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned, when we're young, we have no fear. We're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to fly. We're not afraid to do anything. And I think I was so gung-ho to do everything. And I'm so thankful that I was as like headstrong to do everything. Um, but I wish I knew a little bit more about how to take care of myself um, mm-hmm. as a whole. And then as it as it comes into like business and life and all of those things that life throws at you, because it really can be a lot. And I'm a person who can take a lot, but it also shouldn't be where like we we have so much on us and then we go, oh, OK, that's enough. Like I wish I was able to temper it back then the way that I am yeah. now. So that would be my fill in the blank. Awesome. And I think that is where we're going to end it because that is really, truly um, a word. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Self-care. 
scary, guys. Seriously. Well, Kayla, again, thank you so much. Thank you um, for my flowers. That is so sweet of you. Thank you for what you're building, what you're doing, what you represent, and how you're doing it. I mean, I think I have learned so much from you as well um, in the sustainability space. And just listening to how you really think about the whole brand and the whole, um, every person that might touch it, whether it's because of the products that they needed for their body along with their swimsuit, or if it's the styling that they needed with the, with the fashions, or if it's the home goods that, I mean, really thinking and expanding outside of any, any I guess, limitations. So kudos to you for Arrow and Phoenix and for created by Kayla and for whatever's coming next. Cause I'm sure you're going to have something up your sleeve. I, <laughs> I really do. I got, I got a couple of yeah. things up my sleeve. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Thank Kayla you. is an amazing connector too. So I don't, you know, she's, she's, yeah. Okay. She'd be a little <laughs> humble about it, but she's really a person of a great, great heart. Just, and that I'm not going to say it's rare because I feel like I attract people with good hearts and I'm supposed to. Um, but I don't take it for granted when it happens, when I'm like, man, that person really has a good heart. Like you just know um, and you are that. But thank you again for contributing to my little passion project and, and a piece of creativity that I love to put out into the world. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No, as a like like I said, I was a fan long before we even met. So this is a whole dream come true. And I'm really, really thrilled to be one of those women that gets to say it with their breath. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, you guys. Well, thank you again for another amazing episode of Say It With Your Breast podcast. Make sure you go and follow Kayla right now on Instagram. She is I am. Kayla M. Bell underscore and be sure to follow and shop Arrow and Phoenix Swim and on Instagram that is at Arrow and Phoenix Swim. Okay, let me help y'all out. Phoenix is P H O E N I X. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks again. Peace and love. <laughs>